Welcome, friends, to the True Myth Media Podcast, conversational cinema community. I'm your host, Michael McDonald, and this week I'll be catching up with longtime co-host of the show, Seth Steele, discussing some of the movies that we've been watching lately. Now that summer is over, I'm ready to jump back into my movie writing and podcasting, so when Seth and I saw each other last week and basically couldn't stop nerding out over movies, I knew that catching up with him was the return of the podcast episode that I had been looking for. Now I have a couple more podcasts already lined up, so you can expect to see regular podcasts showing up in your feed on Fridays again, and if we start getting enough feedback, you'll see bonus community response episodes as well. If you're interested in making your voice heard on those episodes, you can call 616-287-0275 or email me michael at truemythmedia.com with your own highlights of what you've been watching lately to be included on the next show. Next week, friend of the show and Thriller Chiller president slash festival director Shirley Griffin will be joining me to discuss the movie Cuties currently streaming on Netflix. There's been a lot of controversy on this one, with people claiming everything from the film being a work of art, to being in poor taste, to being tone deaf, to being a normalization of pedophilia. And most of those people didn't even watch the film. Well, wading into the deep end of things is our forte, so join us next week for what is sure to be an interesting discussion from people who have actually seen the film. If you want your thoughts on the film included, feel free once again to call in to 616-287-0275 and leave your questions, comments, or movie musings on our voicemail. Well, it's been a while and I'm anxious to just get into the content, so I'll play that discussion I had with Seth this week. One caveat, the audio is a little bit rough since we're recording over Zoom, so my apologies ahead of time for that. Let's see. I'm just going to pull open my letterbox here. Nice. So last night I actually watched Altered States. Oh yeah, that's a fun one. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah. Up until the end, I feel like. Um, but that's that's my take on it. Up until the end, when uh, things go kind of crazy, and you, I don't want to spoil it for people who are, you know, who haven't seen it. But yeah, but it's uh, you know William Hurt, who I like a lot. Uh, yep. he's mumblecore speaker from the eighties. I feel like, like that's where he got his, uh, start and now he's still doing that. Yeah. Yeah. He's really low key, but, yeah. um, I mean, not so much in this one. He has a, he does a lot more than mumble in this one mm-hmm. Yeah, because <laughs> he's playing a, uh, like a scientist, a researcher, um, into, uh, he's kind of doing some studies with uh, sensory deprivation tanks and like, basically altered states of consciousness, um, like taking drugs, um, trying out um, like old indigenous peoples uh, kind of uh, rituals around uh, taking different substances and basically trying to, um, he feels like he is getting in touch with some like essence of the history or consciousness of man. Yeah. And it's kind of about his obsession with that and um, like what it does to his relationship, what it does to his friendships, like um, Bob Balaban, actually, I really love him in this movie. Um, he's great. Uh, Cause he plays his what research assistant or um, like he runs the machine and everything while William yeah. Hurt gets into it and stuff. And um, yeah, definitely. It's got some really like trippy se- sequences in it and stuff that mm-hmm. are they're they're a lot of fun. Definitely, um, I think some of them would have hit me a lot harder if it had been 
more of the first kind of movie with some of that trippy stuff in it yeah that i saw like i think if this had been if i'd seen this before some of the other stuff like uh yodorowsky and things like that um it probably would have just totally blown my mind. i would have been like what yeah. is going on i can't even yeah. understand this film <laughs> um but i really appreciated actually the the plot progression the way that it kind of unfolds and um it's got some good uh like special effects with the like the costuming on like the creature thing that happens and yeah it's awesome yeah yeah it is pretty cool actually um yeah i actually really enjoyed that movie too up until the third act and i don't want to spoil it for too many people but i thought it just kind of went off the deep end (laughs) like i was it does a bit and then like the third act something happens to william hurt um when he's in one of the deprivation chambers and i mean do you care if i just spoil it he like I yeah he turns into an ape and I was like yeah. what's going on I was, yeah. I was fully on board up until that happened and then I was just dying laughing for like the last 15 minutes of the movie but it is really good up until then so I I feel like a lot of horror movies have that problem with me yeah this is great up they'll have trouble wrapping it up yeah I can't stick the landing um and yeah I did like I there's a lot of horror movies like that that I feel like I really enjoy um, even though like it doesn't it's not perfect it's still like a pretty fun ride up until the very end so um, yeah I think it kind of fits in with a lot of the kinds of movies that I like that are you know kind of the you know we were talking the other day about Ad Astra and how it's like this journey movie yeah. and Altered States is kind of like that journey it's that same kind of mentality of like a 2001 or you know, uh, like Embrace of the Serpent or Lost City of Z kind of thing, but it's all interior. Instead of having to go to crazy locations, yep. he's going deeper and deeper into himself. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was a really interesting take on kind of that concept, which I like a lot of. Those kinds of movies are movies that I really like yeah. anyway. Search for searching for meaning, searching for significance, and well, and it's interesting too because I feel like a lot of movies like that are focused on like the evolution of man, and this mo- movie is for, focused more on like the regression of man almost, or like you know like finding the source of all of it. It's been a couple. It's been probably like what a year since I've watched it, but in my yeah. in my opinion, that's kind of where I remember it going. So. Well, it, it's kind of like this it, it's a it's a profoundly forward thinking like progressive movie in terms of you know the kind of the idea of if you think of like conservative like a conservative idea of like you know trying to keep things the way they are understand where we came from and kind of preserve that and everything and in this movie you know that's kind of what he's doing but in so doing finding out that like oh primitive man was like way more primitive and we shouldn't be like him (laughs) because it's like there's a reason we have evolved um you know is because we are superior to those earlier forms of man and like that that form of man would not be able to survive well in this society or in the world as it is today yeah yeah it is really interesting yeah um I guess for my first movie I wanted to touch on, I watched uh, Possessor by Brandon Cronenberg. Um, and I don't actually know if this movie is out yet. Um, one of my friends sent me a copy um, and he was like, you gotta see this. And I was like, yes, I do. Um, Cause I had kind of been looking forward to this anyways. Um, and this is, so Brandon Cronenberg, the director, or the son of Brandon or David Cronenberg. Yeah. 
Um, and this is his second feature. Um, so Possessor is kind of, uh, it's, it's starring Andrea Riseborough and Jennifer Jason Lee and uh, Christopher Abbott. And in the first five minutes of the movie, you kind of get the whole idea of what the movie is about. It's Andrea Riseborough has this kind of psychic ability um, and she's working with this, uh, this kind of organization to uh, send her mind into somebody else's to possess them. And then they go throughout their day and eventually their goal is to have them kill a couple people and then themselves. And usually it's for political gain or something else. And so it's like they're hired by some outside company uh, to come in and possess somebody else's mind and then have them like murder suicide a couple people. So she's working mm. with this new, uh, like Andrea Riseborough is the main uh, character. She's the one that goes in and possesses minds. And then Jennifer Jason Lee is like her controller. Um, and it's pretty much the first 10 minutes are her first job or not her first job, but like one of her latest jobs kind of thing. Um, and then pretty soon you get into the second job, which is uh, Christopher Abbott. He was in, uh, I don't know if you ever saw Sweet Virginia or mm -hmm. he was in a couple other movies too. Um, I can't think of some of them. Uh, James White, I think was the name of one of the movies that he was in. He was also like a main character in Girls season one and two. Uh, but he, he's a really good actor. I think he's really up and coming. Um, but he is the person that Andrew Riseborough is going to possess. Um, and it's pretty much just about uh, like this whole process of like, all right, we're gonna go in, we're gonna uh, possess this person, we're gonna have him get killed. But random things start to go wrong uh, during this whole uh, situation too. So it's like uh, he's kind of fighting back against the possession while she is possessing him. And so it's really interesting and really trippy. Um, just like Altered States, there's a lot of weird uh, trippy imagery with like kind of uh, like people taking over other stuff and trying to figure out like what uh, the whole like point of man is at times. Um, but yeah, so it's like a really deep philosophical movie, but also like really, really gory and messed up um, at times. So it's just like a Cronenberg movie. Um, I was like so fascinated um, by the whole thing. And I was, I was pumped by the time I was done because I was like, I think David Cronenberg is done making movies now, but we've got somebody to carry on the legacy if this is how uh, it's going <laughs> to keep going. So um, um, yeah, I loved that one. What was the name of that one again? Uh, that was Possessor by Dave, or Brandon Cronenberg. And like I said, I'm not sure if that one's like out available yet or not. Mm -hmm. um, one of my buddies just sent me that one. So, um, but I know pretty soon it should be available. So. Is, is the like possession, is that more of a like paranormal or is that a like a technological thing? It, they try to explain it like sci-fi. So they show um, okay. like clips of when they did like electrode implants into like bulls brains or something like that. And then tried mm -hmm. to get like the bull to charge at a red sheet. Um, and then they would zap the bull with like this electrode or something like that. And it would just stop automatically. Yeah. So they're kind of insinuating that like, like they give implants into uh, Christopher Abbott. Um, like they kidnap him off the street and then like drug him and give him an implant and then like return him to his house like nothing happened kind of thing. So he just wakes up and thought, you know, like whatever. I didn't know what happened there. But hmm. uh, yeah, and then he starts to notice some stuff is wrong. So, but yeah, really fascinating movie. Uh, really well done sci-fi too, like a very low key sci-fi. Um, it doesn't okay, go cool. too far out of the way. Um, it feels a lot like uh, like the sender or scanners even, um, something like that. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah, did you see the um, Elon Musk uh, demonstration of his uh, neural thing? <laughs> Holy cow, man. <laughs> I haven't, but is it pretty intense? 
it it's interesting like the the also because it's not just the technology of like what they can do and what they can track and learn about the brain but it's also he's put a lot of effort into like how do we how do we make this process easy so it's not just like these are where the electrodes go it's here's the machine over here that can do this in an hour to a person and you don't need a doctor to do it I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like, it, <laughs> like I like some of the stuff that Elon Musk is doing. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to have him put a chip in my brain yet. No um, way. <laughs> yeah. So we'll give it, you know, I, I might just die and see how it comes back when I'm reincarnated or something like that. And be like, all right, we'll buy this now when it's got a hundred years of experience or something. So Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> Yeah, that's like the first thing that popped into my head when you were talking about that, like possession and, you know, I too experimental for me. Well, and I just rewatched Inception. Okay. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I didn't really like Inception when it first came out. I actually okay. was I was one of the the naysayers on it. Okay. Um, that came out when I was in film school, so that was also or no, it wasn't that one. It, it had come out just before film school, and then Dark Knight Rises came out when I was in film school. Okay. So like everybody was Inception crazy uh, when I was there. I, I came out when Inception was, I, I was like 18 when Inception came out. So I was like at the perfect age. I thought it was amazing. Um, yeah. But, I said, yeah, I said like four or five more times. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a good movie. <laughs> yeah. I said, I set my phone at the time. My ringtone was the bong thing. Uh, yeah. Like, like that was how, <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked it a lot more actually. Okay then I, I think honestly it's gonna sound really cheesy but I've I've grown a little emotionally since film school mm-hmm. and I connected more to some of the imagery around the children and to Leonardo DiCaprio's story in a way that I never really connected to it when I saw it in theaters okay um it's like when I saw it in theaters it was just the spectacle right Mm-hmm. and i i almost needed to watch it i needed to like kind of um get over the spectacle to be able to i think see some of the emotional resonance that was in that movie for me that's fair yeah so no one's a pretty good filmmaker I, I think he's pretty good yeah like when the kids turned around at the end of the movie i i was just like oh i i think i i think i just I think I just liked this movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like that one, that one shot changed it. Like for me, it was the wavering top at the very end. I was like, Oh, I was like, Oh, that's good. I like the little, like, is this real or is it not kind of thing? I don't know. But I guess like for me, that's what hooked me the first time I watched it even. So it's been, it's been probably a couple of years since I've watched Inception again. So yeah, I think that what it was for me is because I, I, I wasn't intrigued by the idea of the top. Um, as much and what it was for me is realizing how like that top was mall's like anchor to the world Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't really till the end that i really came to grips with the idea that for leonardo dicaprio his kids faces are his top you never see them till the end every like he keeps going back to that memory and like his discussions with people and he talks about how he wishes he had stayed 
to see them turn around. He wishes he had called their names so that he could see their faces before he left. Yeah. And he never gets to see them in that memory in the dream world. And it's because he knows that that's real. Like if he were to see his kids' faces, like he'd be in the real world. Yeah. And yeah, like that just, I, I, I appreciated that way more. Um, I think now than I did, uh, that I did when I first saw it like 10 years ago. Yeah, that's fair. That's awesome. Um, have you watched Charlie Kaufman's I'm thinking of ending things yet? No, I started it the other day, but I was in too sad of a mood. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Um, I'm going to talk about it really quick. There's no, there's yeah, no yeah. like real spoilers. I feel like. No, I movie. can tell from, I can tell just from the start of it that there's not really a way to spoil the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I loved this movie. I think it's like one of the best movies I've seen this year so far. Um, I'm hoping that it gets nominated for best adapted screenplay and maybe win because Charlie Kaufman doesn't get enough love as it is. Um, I know he's already Ever. like won an Oscar and like been nominated a couple times. But, but almost everything he writes is great. Yeah. Um, so this movie is kind of about just uh, Jesse Buckley plays this girl. She's going uh, with Jesse Plemons, her boyfriend, to meet uh, her, her boyfriend's mom and dad at their farm way out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and her mom and dad are played by Tony Collette and David Thewlis. Um, both of whom are amazing in this movie. Yeah. Um, but pretty much the whole thing is just kind of like a monologue uh, in Jesse's head and sometimes, well, in uh, Jesse girl's head and Jesse boy's head. They're both named Jesse, so this is going to be impossible <laughs> to talk about. And like the Jesse's name or uh, Buckley's name is just young woman in the thing too. And like it's mother and father. So there's no real like way to like talk about these characters without <laughs> talking about them through their actual actor names. Uh, but Jesse Buckley is going with Jesse Plemons to go visit the dad. And it's pretty much just her uh, like monologuing about how she's depressed and how she can't get over things. And then like she ends up meeting up with Jesse, uh, Jesse Plemons and like they monologue about different things. And it's just kind of, it's, it's poetic cinema. Like we've talked about Tarkovsky, yeah. how he tries to, um, he tries to just bring like a mood to, or like Malik does the same thing. Yes, very much so. Um, and the whole thing, like it's all discussions about like melancholia and like the meaningless of night love life and stuff like that. And how like it's all dreary and going nowhere and then we just all die. Um, and it feels very much like Mike Lee's Naked, which is one of my favorite movies, um, where it's just like this guy spewing his philosophy at you for two and a half hours of just like, yeah, it's all meaningless. <laughs> um, like, I love stuff like that. Because like, I mean, I have my own doubts and stuff like that. So we, we, we all kind of go through these like melancholic periods. Uh, and this was just a beautiful way of looking at it. Like, um, it's very trippy the entire time. So like time doesn't quite make sense once mm -hmm. they get to the farm. Um, and they're oh, when they start walking through the barn. Yeah, and everything and like, like oh, what happened to the pigs? Oh, they died. <laughs> a, a horrible, horrible story. Yeah, that it's like, why are you telling like? But it, it it's also like, you know, he he keeps saying like, life life is hard on a farm. Yeah. Life's not pretty on a farm. Life can be ugly on a farm, yeah. and you get the sense that like, the farm is, the stand-in for the world. Yes, and it's just um, like it's just like life is ugly sometimes yeah, yeah. life well, is hard and um jesse buckley's character is like she's not content with that yeah um like the way that it starts is i'm thinking of ending things um like she literally just says that and like the first poem is her kind of 
like trying to trace back where this thought of I'm not happy comes from. And it's just her going through her memories in her mind in like kind of a monologue. And it goes all the way back to when she's like a little kid and she's still like, yeah, I'm thinking of ending things. Like this has never been good the entire time that I've been here and everything has always been bad and it always will be. And then I'm just going to die. Um, yeah. And it's horrible and wonderful at the same time. Cause it's like, yeah, we all have feelings like that sometimes. And like, you need to know that like other people out there feel that too. Well, and she, she talks about like, you know, she says, I'm thinking of ending things. Where did this thought come from? Mm-hmm. Once it's inside, like once it's there, there's no getting it out. Yeah. And it, so like for me, I obviously haven't finished it yet, but uh, like thinking about that, I thinking about that as they're like driving in the car and how like she has a thought in her head that she knows she has to control somehow or do something with. Mm-hmm. And it's really about her deciding, like, what are you going to do with that thought? Are you going to indulge the thought? Are you going to, like, wallow around in it? Or are you going to, like, try and step up out of it? And yeah. is is that possible? Can you step up out of it? Or will it always be there? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it, 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 the movie does get a little bit more complex because it's not just about Jesse Buckley's character yeah. either. Um, like, Jesse Plemons, like, kind of takes over the narration for a little while, and so does this janitor who's wandering the halls of this school. Hmm, I haven't um, gotten that far yet. Yeah, so, um, but the whole thing, like, it just kind of takes a look at depression and, like, how it relates to, um, like, making meaningful relationships with other people and how it yeah. can, like, be a total detriment uh, to that, Um but yeah, it's really interesting. And then like how our lives get wrapped up with other people and sometimes it falls apart and sometimes it doesn't mean anything and sometimes it does and sometimes we can infer meaning out of everything. So it's just a really, really interesting movie. Um, it's not very happy, but it's also absolutely hysterical. Um, like I would say every scene goes on for like two or three minutes too long, um, like purposefully. Like it's uncomfortable at the end of scenes sometimes because it's just like, when is this going to end? Like they well, can't keep sitting at this dinner table like this. It's it so feels, uncomfortable. It feels like it's trying to not um, do the typical, like it's trying to not just show the highlights of the trip. Like it oh, wants yeah. to, it wants to give you a accurate view of the boredom, the, yeah. the, the awkwardness, the melancholy, because most movies cut all that out and yeah. like tighten up that dialogue, make it quick and snappy. And then we'll move to the next scene where there'll be more quick and snappy dialogue. And of course, if you're watching a movie like that, a person who seems unhappy, you're like, why are they unhappy? Everything's fun in this house. Yeah. Everything's quick and moves on. And it's, it's interesting in a way that our real lives are not interesting. Yeah. And this movie kind of revels in the, at least the part that I've seen, like the mundane. Yeah. And the uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Je- Jesse Plemons. I really like the scene in the car. Yeah. Uh, really liked. Um, I've only seen him in comedic roles really. Okay. And so seeing him. Breaking do... Bad. He was Todd in Breaking oh, Bad. Oh, was he? Yeah. I don't remember. Remember him shooting the kid. That was like me when I was like, Holy oh. cow. <laughs> yeah. I, I just really, there's something about him that is very relatable and real to me. And so I I connected with a lot of what they said. And it's got a lot of that kind of humor in it too, where you're just like, oh man, that's me and my wife. Like how many times have we said that to each other? Like, (laughs) you know, like that sort of thing all the time. (laughs) 
<laughs> I like that kind of movie too. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to finishing that one up. Yeah. Uh, I actually, uh, I don't know. I've been, I've been watching a few kind of weird, like out of out of the ordinary things for me. Okay. Uh, like I, I was on Disney Plus the other day because I got uh, one of my friends is letting me. Uh, use their login and so I've been watching some like kind of nostalgic movies uh, from yeah. my childhood and uh, you know I watch like Flight of the Navigator um, stuff like that but one of them was a movie called Candle Shoe I don't know okay. if you I find very few people who have ever heard of this movie yeah. um, it's a Jodie Foster movie um, young Jodie Foster yeah young Jodie Foster so um, she's a kid. She plays uh, you know, a tomboy who uh, lives on the streets. And, um, you know, it's it, the Disney idea of what a rough and tumble life is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, steal, she's like stealing a basketball from like kids who are playing basketball and climbs a fence. And therefore, she's a terrible person. Or she's well, she a, is. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's basically it's kind of a mashup between the idea of an Anastasia movie and kind of a, uh, almost a little bit of Goonies like treasure hunting okay. kind of thing. I think that's why I really liked it when I was younger. It was really fun because yeah. she uh, falls in with a couple of um, schemers who uh, tell her that she bears a marked resemblance to this famous uh lost granddaughter of a rich person and that person somewhere because they've got a housekeeper that used to work there um somewhere in that house is hidden a treasure and we want to have you pretend to be the granddaughter and help us find it okay um and of course once she gets there she finds out that like the the world that this situation is not what she thought it was because she's looking at it as just like ah you know they don't even know it's there it's not going to be a big deal like it's you know we're not really hurting anybody but then she gets there and she finds out that like the the grandmother's not doing well financially like the butler is it's really kind of funny like for to kids you know the the butler is running around pretending to be other employees at the at the manor um, because he doesn't want her to know that how just what dire straits they're all in and um yeah it's a lot of fun i think uh you know kids around the eight nine ten year old range would really enjoy it the puzzles are all real simple like you'll solve them in a second if you're an adult but (laughs) as a kid it it makes kid logic you know like kid sense (laughs) that's fun but yeah it was kind of a fun you know blast from the past i was texting with my brother because i I had forgotten how often we watch this movie and okay. like we were as I'm watching it, I'm just like quote after quote after quote things that we've said our <laughs> whole lives that I'm like oh my goodness that's from this movie too that's like really funny. <laughs> that's that's awesome when you go back and watch something like that and you're like oh man I did not realize how much influence this had on me but oh yeah it, <laughs> but yeah that was a lot of fun yeah um, so I feel like, uh, 2020 has kind of been the year of escapism for me. Um, I, I think for I, a lot I, of yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I love horror movies as anybody who ever listened to this podcast can tell. Um, so I've kind of been trying to cross off a bunch of, um, Stephen King movies. Like I know usually they're terrible. 
Um, and I, yeah. like, I know this going in, so I'm just like, whatever, like, this is going to be an hour and a half of my life. And I've watched a lot of bad ones. Um, and then I've watched a lot of them that are bad, but absolutely hysterical at the same time. So I wanted to yeah. bring up some of those. Um, I watched Sleepwalkers with Alice Krieg and Ron Perlman's in it. And, uh, oh, that sound... yeah, that sounds super familiar. I, this movie is not good. I don't is... like, I know all those actors. <laughs> yeah. Um, John Landis and, uh, Joe Dante and Clive Barker all have, uh, cameos really? in it too. As Stephen King has a, uh, yeah. cameo too. But, um, it's pretty much like this, like mom and her son are like weird skinwalker people. Um, that are like just hanging out in this town and like cats are their like downfall and so it's just like this teenager trying to hook up with Madchen Amick this entire time and he's really like a sleepwalker trying to bring home the girl to his mom um, so that she can like feed, Dude, on, her, feed on her um, this sounds so familiar I bet it's I think so I've seen bizarre it. because like the the boy and his mom are like they're tracked by a cop and his like pet cat and like, like, like he's, the cop is driving along the road and like Otis is the cat's name and the cat looks out the window and it sees the skinwalker and the skinwalker is like and like hisses at the cat and turns into like this weird demon thing and ever since that I could not like the whole movie is hysterical after that point because you're like like a cop and his cat are tracking down these like <laughs> sounds these like a saturday walkers. morning cartoon show yeah, it's so <laughs> bizarre. it feels like i don't know like a 10 year old wrote it somehow um and it still turned into an r-rated movie um so it's just yeah really bizarre not good but it is pretty funny i think it was on amazon prime when i watched that um so and then i watched the mangler with uh directed by toby hooper so the guy that did texas chainsaw massacre um and starring robert england so uh uh, Freddie, Freddie, what's his face? I can't think of his last. Frank Krueger. And Ted Levine, uh, Buffalo Bill from... Um, mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs. Yes, yeah. So uh, Ted Levine fights a possessed fridge. It's all about possessed <laughs> machinery. <laughs> so possessed fridge at one part. Um, and then Robert Englund plays like, he, he's pretty much like a Nazi like sweatshop runner. Um, and he's got like like braces for his arms and legs so he's walking around like in complete like stiff heels the entire time and he's got a uh an eye patch on so he kind of looks like like fritz lang a little bit <laughs> like just running this sweatshop where like everything is going wrong with the machinery uh yeah th- not a good movie at all i think it had like an eight on uh metascore <laughs> when i checked but uh that was definitely one of the more entertaining stephen king movies i've watched uh recently so yeah but like cool. I said, not good. I don't think I'd recommend them. But if you're looking for good bad movies, that's that's the way to go. Yeah, I actually did uh, uh, a little bit of a Roger Vadim uh, marathon. I don't know. Uh, who he made uh, and God created woman. Uh, I've heard of that. And Barbarella. I've heard of that. <laughs> yep. Uh, and Vice and Virtue. Um, which I think you would like Vice and Virtue. It's got Catherine Deneuve in it. Okay. Um, and it's a, yeah, it's a, uh, he's an interesting director. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Uh, I struggle with him because he seems very, uh, chauvinistic 
at times. Uh, I mean, the poster for Barbarella, I mean, I remember seeing that as a kid and being like, what is that? Oh, oh yeah, I thought, what is that, too? <laughs> but, yeah, there's always... Uh, it's not just that there's sex in his movies. It's the way women are treated in his movies, too, that is kind of rough. Okay, um, so definitely not something i would show to somebody as a recommendation of how women should be treated so kind of like um, a Russ meyer film like faster pussycat kill kill or uh what, what was the other one that we watched we watched uh beyond the valley of the dolls together uh a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. um it's like i oh which movie is it i think it's uh and god created woman uh that it kind of it's about a girl who's growing up and is super hot and horny and all the guys in town and but she's like married to somebody that everybody kind of feels is kind of a weak man yeah and basically they're all just like this guy's not gonna why are you marrying her you will never be able to control her yeah. it's a you know kind of a financial thing that kind of forces them together but it really is kind of the whole movie about her running around until he finally slaps her and she comes home. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Weird morals for this movie then. Yeah, yeah. And, and what message are you trying to send? I don't know what message he's trying to send. I mean, like, I, I wouldn't disagree necessarily with kind of the like portrayal of some things mm -hmm. like that he's right that guy probably is not the right guy for that woman <laughs> like that and and this is what happens because he's not yeah you know, he's he, he like they get married for the wrong reasons and aren't able to do that or whatever but yeah it it's not it's not a modern film in that like after he slaps her somebody yells at him and you know everybody shames him for doing for you know beating up a woman or something it's yeah it just kind of like oh that's kind of the end of this movie yeah um you don't really see the fallout from that and um yeah so but like what is interesting about vadim's movies partially at, is interesting um production design especially on barbarella mm -hmm. uh you know it's early special effects like there's like this animal that like carries them across this uh this frozen lake you know kind of like a sled dog kind of thing okay. but the the animal is clearly just like a rubber prop that some that has probably like some motorization underneath it that's pulling them it like never really moves in any sort of real way it wiggles around like rubber a little bit as it yeah. goes and you know that sort of thing but in in that sense it's a it's a very fun movie yeah um the one i really like the most though was vice and virtue okay. which is about two sisters who are both dealing with um is this around I can't remember I think it's right around World War II and it's basically because they're both attractive um, they kind of have opportunities with the men who are rising in like the Nazi regime okay and one of them is very has kind of a survival mentality 
of like, I'm just trying to get through this thing and doing what I have to, to get through. And the other one is like, I'm not going to compromise myself. Um, That's Catherine Deneuve. And yeah. And it's, uh, it kind of, as it goes, you see how no matter what they choose, they're kind of in the same position all the way through the movie. They're always being like carted around by powerful men um, who want to either, uh, you know, enjoy their presence sexually or enjoy the, the notoriety that comes from just being next to that woman Mm -hmm. at a party or something like that. Um, you know, and how, I think it's kind of poking fun a little bit at Catherine Deneuve and the idea that she feels like she's so much better than her sister at times. Yeah. Uh, even though she also is, you know, kind of doing whatever these men want her to do up to a point and letting that take her where it does. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's when I actually probably will end up watching again at some point. Okay. Uh, just because, I find with most movies these days, uh, I, the first time I watch a movie, I'm kind of trying to decide whether I want to watch it again. And basically, uh, I think I get so much better of a sense of what the film is about after a second viewing. Um, like I was reading through, like rewatching movies, even that I've done reviews for on the, on the website. And I'm like, oh man, I was really missing it the first time. I think, Yeah. you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's crazy. So that's one I definitely want to go back to and see if I, I pull more meaning out of. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I've got like one or two more if you want to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a couple here too that I know you'll want to talk about. So, okay. Um, I watched The Fury by Brian De Palma uh, a couple days ago and actually really enjoyed that. That's another kind of psychic movie. Uh, yeah, I w- the same lines of Possessor. Yeah, I watched that a couple months ago, I think. It was okay. on Netflix or yeah. something. Yeah, uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime still right now, even. Okay, um, that's probably. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. But um, yeah, it's kind of uh, Kirk Douglas plays the father of like a boy who has psychic powers. Um, and they're deciding to get out, essentially, of this psychic program. Um, and as that's happening, uh, Kirk Douglas is attacked. Um, and the boy pretty much thinks Kirk Douglas is dead, and they take the boy away. Um, and Kirk Douglas is racing to try and find his boy, uh, who's been taken by John Cassavetes. Um, and they're pretty much doing, like, experiments on him. Uh, and then John, uh, Kirk Douglas ends up finding another girl who's also psychic, and, and she ends up trying to help him uh, track him down. Uh, but it's a really interesting story. It feels a lot like uh, Cronenberg's Scanners, I would say. Yeah. Um, it, like a lot like that. Um, I actually, I think Scanners is a little bit smarter. I think uh, The Fury is a little bit more fun, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. The, the Fury has like, so, like there's the head exploding scene in Scanners that everybody knows knows about. In The Fury, there's so many like crazy body, body horror things that happen. And like, I know Scanners is known for that. But there's, like, people get spun around until they literally, like, explode, <laughs> like, from all the <laughs> centrifugal force. Um, like, people make, like, fingernails bleed and stuff like that. Like, it's just all sorts of gross stuff. Um, and it's it's actually really well-paced, too. I thought it was a really fun movie overall. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really recommend that one. That one was actually pretty darn good. Um, and then, actually, I watched another Brian De Palma movie just, like, a couple days ago called Femme Fatale. Um, Dude, yeah. I just watched it a couple days ago. 
Oh, that's so funny. Because every um, time, basically, because Chad is a big Brian De Palma fan. Yeah. Anytime I see a Brian De Palma fa- movie is on one of the streaming services, I add it yeah. to my list and I try and prioritize that one. Well, yeah, Chad is a huge uh, Brian De Palma fan, and I'm actually on Letterboxd now. So I was like looking through movies, and I saw both you and Chad had given that one good reviews. Um, and I liked that one actually a lot. I thought it was a little bit over-sexualized. Yeah. Um, but, but I guess when it's a movie called Femme Fatale, you kind of have to assume that's going to happen too. Um, I don't know. Like, But I, I think that's also part of the point of the movie, though, is that like, because of using her powers of seduction to kind of yeah like she yeah. does not care about these people yeah like that's that's like what's so interesting about the movie to me is just the degree to which she does not care yeah you, but, you keep thinking she's forming attachments and she's not yeah um but <laughs> i guess i kind of wanted to talk a little bit about like the twist even if that's okay like at the yeah. very end of the movie um because she kind of like lives through her whole life um and then she flashes back to like a moment that was like the changing point of her life. And then she kind of like relives it in a different way, but they kind of just flash forward to the very end of the movie. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because it's like, usually I hate the whole, it was a dream thing. Um, like the whole movie was a dream and like, you know, it wasn't worth it or anything like that. Um, but this, I actually felt like it was kind of like, this is, this is more of a story about how our like one choice can change the outcome of our entire life. Um, and so it was kind of like almost like a multiverse kind of thing instead of like this is a dream kind of thing. So I don't know. Mm. For me, it kind of worked at the end. Um, usually I hate the dream twist, um, but this time it actually worked. For me, I I read it as like her because the, the, the event is that she's like in a closet when uh, watching somebody else do something. Yeah. And so like for me, I kind of felt it as she's in the closet this whole time kind of thinking about what's my life going to be like if I do the dastardly thing right yeah, now. Either, yeah, either way. So it's our, and our so very, she's like, like, it's it's like this, it's it's kind of like this exploration of how the thing that we want um, or would dream about or daydream our imagination, what it says our life could be like um, and then, like, when it comes to the moment of actual action, how those two things can be very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the, the like you said, like, how that one decision changes everything. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting movie. Uh, and also, yeah. especially because of the way that, I mean, this movie really bugged me with its languages <laughs> at times. Oh, because, yeah. For me, actually, it did too, because I tried to watch this on Amazon Prime originally, yep. and they don't have the subtitles on for some of it. So I was like, is this just me not understanding parts? And then I, like, I started looking online, and I was like, nope, it's just Amazon Prime is messed up. So don't watch it on Amazon Prime if you're trying to do that. Um, yeah. It literally doesn't have the subtitles for most of the movies. So. Yeah, because the, the problem is that if you put on there that you want your subtitles in English, it gives you an English – it gives you a um, – English subtitles but not the French or anything like that yeah it gives you English subtitles like for the hard of hearing you know so that like you can understand the English that you can't understand because you're deaf well we need the French translated because oh like over half the movie is in French yeah yeah (laughs) which is which is actually pretty impressive because I don't know if has like has he done that in any other movies De Palma I feel like most of his movies have been like completely in English but yeah just be me 
Yeah, that movie drove me crazy when I first started watching it, trying to figure out what was going on with the audio. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you can, probably try and find one with like hard-coded subtitles, <laughs> if you can, but... Yeah. Uh, so another uh, one that I knew that you would want to talk about with me is uh, Paprika. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. <laughs> uh, borrowed That's that... like the original Inception, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, borrowed so... that from Chad. Katie and I watched it one day when she got out of work, and, man, we we ordered it immediately. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, Have you seen Perfect Blue yet, too, then? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. We borrowed that, too. I was more of a Paprika fan. Yeah. Um, I think probably most people are. It's just yeah, I am too. there's a lot of fun moments in that movie, even though it's it can be very dark at times. Yeah. Um it's yeah, very similar to Inception and in, is the idea that there's um oh what did they call it? The the link thing. But um they're just the technology to go into people's dreams and share dreams and stuff is um kind of getting it's just starting out. Um, kind of like an inception, uh, except it's not as, um, it doesn't seem as invasive all the time as, as far as like, uh, physically, you know, um, and it's, what is it? There's like a terrorist basically, or somebody like kind of influencing brains. Yeah. And that's the nebulous nature of what's going on is part of what's enjoyable about the movie because you're kind of like you're never really sure if you're in a dream or not um, at times, except for when it's like being really over the top. Yeah. uh, And some really amazing sequences uh, like that toy parade and everything is really. And the whole final third act kind of really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's, there's moments in it actually when she turns into the, the, like the mermaid thing. Yeah. I, I was imagining the sword and the stone. And the wizards battle, okay, <laughs> and how yeah. they're just changing and changing forms to whatever in order to battle each other. <laughs> but yeah, it's it is a really fun movie. Uh, got a lot of really interesting concepts about consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, I was kind of intrigued. I'm, I, I definitely need to watch it again because um, I was getting little hints of. Uh, kind of the idea that the dream world pushes back kind of stuff that um, I kind of want to watch the movie from the beginning, thinking about that concept. Um, But yeah, that, that idea of the dream world being potentially as real as the real world. I think that's something that fascinates a lot of people. Um, A lot of us, especially because we feel like many times, like we're pretending (laughs) you know that uh in some ways it seems just as real as our real lives because our real lives don't always feel super real (laughs) that is very true (laughs) that is very true um i watched a movie called dead end drive-in have you ever seen this or heard this movie um so i found this on one of quentin tarantino's top like 150 movies i can't remember if it was 150 or 200 movies um but it's pretty much like it feels a little bit like uh, a toned down Mad Max or um, a Repo mm-hmm. Man where it's set in like this post-apocalyptic future where there's still stuff that's going on um, but there's also like a lot of grunge and it's like really decrepit and like all of society is just kind of like gross and nasty and stuff like that um, and it's pretty much just about this boy and this girl um, and they're on a date 
and they go out to this dead end, they go out to this drive-in, star drive-in. Um, and when they get there, uh, the cops steal their tires while they're just like hanging out and stuff like that. And That's so impressive. Like, yeah, they're like, what do we, like, what, while well, they're having sex, so they steal the tires. Um, <laughs> while that's happening, um, still kind of impressive, I would have It is. I, I, I I've changed a tire. Feel, yeah, you would feel something <laughs> happening with, like, you know, the tires slipping off or something. You know, when they jack up the car, maybe. <laughs> Does this feel uneven to you all of a sudden? <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So the cops steal the tires, and the boy's like, what's going on? Like, he goes and he tries to talk to the guy that's, like, running the place, and he's like, nope, uh, we'll talk about this in the morning. Uh, you can't report it right now. And he's like, okay, whatever. Um, and they wake up in the morning and they try to talk to the guy again. And he's like, yeah, no, uh, well, you're pretty much stuck here. You don't have any, you don't have any tires and we can't order any, like nobody, nobody ever comes out here and you can't walk on the road back. So you're stuck here now. Um, and so they give him like food coupons and stuff like that. And the whole thing becomes kind of like this satire on the prison system and how they're just like carting off poor people to like get shoved into the huh. prison system. Um, and yeah, it's just like about how like, uh, like cops abuse people in the system and like just kind of take away any way that they can possibly get out. So like some of the people are working to actually like get high, like get higher in the system, in the prison system um, and like get benefits and stuff like that. And then it all gets taken away from them. Um, and the boy is trying to get out the entire time. And the girl eventually just starts to be like, well, I mean, we're here. We might as well just like enjoy it. Like we can just kind of live here and live our lives and everything will be fine. He's like, no, there's, there's more stuff. You don't want to be stuck in here for the rest of your life. Like we got to get out. We can't just let these people tell us what to do. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting, uh, it's really, yeah, a really interesting satire in the prison system. It's also really great world building, um, some pretty awesome action towards the end. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. It's from Australia, too. So cool. that's kind of why I said it had that, like, Mad Max vibe. Um, but, yeah, really, really enjoyable movie. So Cool. Well, uh, my last two are by the same director, Adam Egoyan, I think it is. Okay. That's um, how you say it. I'm not sure. But um, he's got some movies that are featured on the Criterion channel right now. Um, I watched Exotica and The okay. Sweet Hereafter. Okay. I've heard and, of both of those, actually. Yeah, he's a Canadian director. Um, from what I've read, he he's one of those guys that just doesn't get as much credit as his fans think he deserves. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure which one I really liked more. Uh, the Sweet Hereafter is uh, it stars Ian Holm, and he plays what is he? He's the he's a lawyer who's Actually, yeah, it's just this long kind of drawn out exploration of what happens in this town after there's a school bus accident that basically kills all the kids in the town but one. Okay. Um, and, you know, he's a lawyer that, um, you know, wants to try and uh, find justice for the families of the victims. Uh, you know, there's uh, Bruce Greenwood is in it. Um and he plays, you know, he's in both of these movies actually, and he he kind of plays one of the the kind of the opposing view of look, terrible things just happen, and there may not be anyone to blame and to take this out on somebody just because we feel like we need to take it out on somebody um, is just our grief being angry. 
yeah. you know and so it's it, it is an exploration of grief um actually uh it seems like that's probably probably a theme that he kind of leans hard into because exotica is also about grief mm-hmm. um although it doesn't feel like it is at first okay um because that movie it takes place mostly in a strip club that bruce greenwood f- frequents and uh it's got a very his movies have this atmosphere that's kind of swirling and hypnotic Okay. Uh, that kind of lends itself to that meditation idea. Yeah. And he is, he is frequenting this strip club because he actually um, is talking to this girl who works there. Um, he'll pay her to come over and give him a dance, but she doesn't really ever dance very much for him. He's really there crying and talking to her um, kind of cryptically. And over the course of the movie, um, all of these other characters are kind of misunderstanding or maybe some of them having some insight into what's going on is uh, because he, his daughter was killed and his wife died of cancer and so like the even though he doesn't really engage in activities the way most people at a strip club do like the strip club owner kind of humors him because they're like well he's trying to work something out let's try and let him do this and that kind of thing is happening in multiple arenas of his life Hmm. and it's kind of how he eventually is able to confront that grief and yeah so Uh, I think you would really like that one, actually. Okay. So that one was Exotica, you said. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But Sweet Hereafter is pretty good too. Yeah, it is good. Uh, But I think that's uh, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah. Um, I mean. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I mean, we we both know like we could talk for another hour probably about the movies we've watched over the last few months. Yeah. But those are kind of some of the standouts, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's how this whole like getting back together to talk about movies started is. Well, on, just talk about some random movies <laughs> yeah we were like hanging out uh with a couple of friends and like we went me and you just started talking for like a half hour like in the middle of a game about about what we were watching and yeah. just like you know what we should probably do this on our own sometime <laughs> yeah. hey it worked out though so yeah it was good we'll have to do it again soon <laughs> we'll have to come back and start talking about movies when they actually start coming out again <laughs> yeah i know There really are few things I enjoy more than talking about film with my friends. I hope it comes across to you all just what a blast Seth and I had sharing some of our movie discoveries with each other. It's really my favorite way to find new films through suggestions and discussions with my friends and other people who are close to me. So hopefully y'all will call in, write in, or hit me up in my DMs with your rundown of what you've been watching recently. If I get enough of them, I'll edit together a response show early next week, so the cutoff to be included in that show will be Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. If I only get one or two, I'll include them in next week's main episode when I hope you'll join me again for a cinematic conversation with Shirley Griffin on the next True Myth Media Podcast. Farewell, friends.